0: Thank you for your extravagant love. Thank you for a love that's faithful. Thank you for a love that's more than enough. That's abundant. Lord, we thank you for your love that initiates. That you loved us first. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Good job today, guys. Please be seated. We can take up an offering. Hey, guys, we're really hurting financially. We're, um, we're in pretty tough shape. If you guys could be generous, that would be great. If you haven't given in a while, this would be a really good time to give again. The way it looks right now, to cover this month's bills, we'll use up the rest of our savings. And that means that from this point forward, if we, don't <laughs> we would need enough money, each month to cover each month, and we really haven't been doing that. And so, um, I'm just trying to be frank and honest with you. We need more money. Um, it costs my salary is five thousand dollars a month. So, and I'm grateful for a generous salary. It costs about a thousand dollars a month to pay my insurance. And so, you know, trying to live on Long Island on sixty thousand dollars is is tough. I'm not complaining. But that's the expense, just from for me. Our rent is 4000 a month. And then we have utilities uh, on top of that. So we need probably to operate about $12,000 a month. And we've been taking in closer to um, $9,000 a month. So if you could be generous, if you could be faithful in that generosity, that would be great. If things don't change, we're going to have to make some kind of – I don't know, we'll have to do something radical. I'm, I'm not, we've already cut, we've already trimmed, we've, we're, we're being as frugal as we can be with the finances, but I have to tell you, it's about as tight as I, I've seen it in the time that I've been here. So if you could be generous, that would be great. So Father, bless this offering, truly, Lord, multiply this offering, use it for your glory, to advance your kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen? Thank Thanks. you for giving. A few announcements. Tuesdays, we have prayer at Ginny's house at um, 10 a.m., the first and third Tuesday nights of the month. It's just prayer at Joanne's. That's still going on, Joanne? Also on Tuesday nights, the second and fourth Tuesday nights of the month, we've been um, over at the Spoon Coffee House on Wellwood Avenue um, doing dream interpretation and life readings. i got to tell you what, this last Tuesday was amazing. It might have been the the busiest Tuesday night we've had uh, since I've been here. Since we've been doing it, um, we probably had, I don't know, encounters with about 10 people for the, for the whole time we were there. And it, people were really blessed. The last person, this, this one gal, Vaughn and I we were working with, she really didn't want to leave. I mean, the, the waitress had to come over like three times to say, um, like, uh, we're going home now. <laughs> but she had lots of questions and was fully intrigued. And so that's kind of cool. Wednesdays, food pantry at 6 p.m. Maurice is leading prayer at, uh, at 8, also on Wednesday nights. Thursday nights, it's past Thursday. How many of you guys got hung up in that pretty nasty storm that we had Thursday night? It was uh, coming down pretty good here on Long Island, like around 6 o'clock or so. Um, I'm thinking that maybe that kept some of you guys away from the uh, Nurturing Your Spirit uh, DVD seminar uh, we're doing on Thursdays. This is a seminar... Um, taught by uh, a man named Arthur Burke from Plumline Line Ministries. Tell you what, it's good. It's really good. For those who are here, I think we were all uh, encouraged, pleasantly surprised by the, by the quality of uh, the material, and it's kind of different. It really fits in well with most of the teaching that we've gotten from streams over the years, but it adds a different flavor. So it's an eight-hour seminar and we'll do uh, one hour's worth a week for the next eight weeks and then talk about it afterwards. Um, you want to bring a, a, a notebook, it's it's a free event. It doesn't cost you anything to come. Um, because the first night was so good and I thought the, the weather may have um, hampered some people's attendance, anybody who wants to, I'll show the first hour, again, this week beginning at 7 o'clock, and then we'll kick off the rest of it uh, at 8 o'clock. So if that interests you, I'll... I'll do the first hour um, at 7. I'm also thinking, after we get through it all, I mean, even just from the first hour, the reaction of most of us was, oh, my goodness, this is like taking a sip of water from a fire hose. There was so much information. I'm thinking after we're done with it all, because it's an eight-hour seminar, maybe uh, we'll take a Saturday, and we'll do a whole-day thing, tell people, bring a bag lunch. We'll start in the morning. We'll end at dinner time, and we'll just go through all the materials. Maybe some people can't make it out. I think this is really good stuff. So Thursday nights, Nurturing Your Spirit, basic seminar, um, begins at 8 o'clock. Again, I'll reshow the first hour, starting at 7. Youth group, um, it's alternate Saturdays. Next next weekend is the um, Presence uh, Conference, uh, Association of Bridge Churches up in the Boston area. I know that some people are coming if you have more questions. You please see Lori, and she'll put you in. Let's see. Yeah, just one other thing before I begin my message. Um, how many of you have ever been to a dinner party where there was multiple courses? Like, you know, they'll have a, you know, they have the salad course, and they have the main dish, and maybe, the, you know, there are, you know, everything from soup to nuts, right? And it's a... The the dining experience is, goes from beginning to end, and it's wonderful, and it's lots of fun. Nadine and I have hosted those. We've been to those. They're really, they're really, really a pleasurable experience. When we worship corporately on a Sunday morning, it's kind of like a multi-course uh, dinner party, and each song that's done is like one course of this fine meal. And to enjoy the whole meal, it would be good if you got to participate uh, in all the courses. It's different than, you know, if you're home by yourself, you throw in a TV dinner, and you're just eating by yourself. You can eat whenever you want, and you can eat as much as you want or not, right? Or it's even different than taking your family to McDonald's. You know, you kind of go in when you want to, you sit down, you eat, you leave, even though there's other people there. The worship on Sunday morning is kind of like having – a seven course, or most of the time in our case, a four course, a meal together. And um, we've kind of gotten back into this habit of getting in at the second song or the third song, (laughs) or after all the songs. And um, I'm not big on rules or regulations. If you've learned anything about me uh, since I've been here, I'm really not heavy on that. I just think it would be a more pleasurable experience corporately for worship, if we could all worship in all of the songs uh, together. So I would encourage you, if at all possible, to be here by 1030. I, I was a worship leader for a long time, and it's kind of like the cook who's prepared this meal. And you, you work hard and you really want your guests to enjoy all the courses of the meal. And so if they show up at the second course or the third course, it's like, oh, man, I did all this work, and you know they're not, they're not even here for for the first two classes, and so sometimes my heart goes out to the worship team that I know of, you know they're putting in some hard work so could you guys please you know make a mental note and see if we can all be here by ten thirty? I think it would be a better experience for all of us you know so anyway on to my message if you have your bibles open up to Colossians chapter 3 see. Last week, Nadine and I shared with you guys an update from uh, Bernie Man. We shared pictures and stories of that amazing 16-day adventure that we had. It was a blast. Um, if you weren't here for that, you might want to listen to the messages up on our, on our website. Today I want to talk about setting our hearts and minds on things above. I have three main points to my message, that we have a choice to make, we need to focus, and it requires change. This is Colossians chapter 3. So if you're, at, if you're on Colossians 3, follow along as I read the first couple of verses. Paul writes, he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Lord, I pray that you would breathe life on your word today and that you'd use me to speak your word to your people in a life-giving way. I like the way the Amplified puts this. It starts verse 1 by saying, instead of saying since, it says, If then, if, it raises the question, If then you've been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds, and keep them set on that which is above, the higher things, not on the things of the earth. And the King James Version, says says verse 1 this way, it says, set your affection on things above and not on earthly things. I like that. So, It indicates there's a choice here. You know, every minute of every day, we make choices. You know, will I sit on a stool? (laughs) Or will I sit in a chair? Or will I sit on a couch? I make a choice every day. Will I have coffee this morning? Will I have tea this morning? You know, this morning Nadine and I drove through Starbucks. It was a good morning this morning. You know, we have a choice. Where, where will I go? What will I eat? What am I going to wear? We make choices all the time. Maybe one of the most significant choices in our life is on what or on whom will we set our affection or will we set our focus and our attention? The ultimate choice of all choices is stated well in the first line of Colossians chapter 3 out of the Amplified. If then... You have been raised with Christ. If you've been raised with Christ, that's the ultimate choice. As, cr- as Christians, each Easter, we remember and we celebrate Christ's resurrection from the dead. But more, much more than recalling a significant religious event, we remember and celebrate that our relationship with the Father has been restored. We had a broken relationship with the Heavenly Father because sin came into the world, and Jesus came as that mediator between God and man, and he helped to repair that broken relationship. He gave us the choice. He gave, gave us the option. So in Christianity, it's all about relationship. The Father sent his Son because our relationship was broken, and Jesus came to restore that relationship. So our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus, they made choices. And their choice was you. They've already picked you. Of all the billions of people on earth, they chose you. They chose to set their affections on you. And then we have a choice. So I wonder today, I mean, I know most of the people are in this room, but I wonder, have you chosen them? Have you made the decision yourself to give them your life like Jesus gave you his life? So why don't you just close your eyes for a second? Would everybody mind just close your eyes? And whether you've made this choice before or not, would you consider choosing him again? Father, I thank you for choosing me. I thank you for the price Jesus paid for that choice. And so, Lord, in this moment right now, I make the decision and I choose you. I ask you to come and have the absolute highest place in my life. Have the highest place in my mind have the highest place in my heart. Father, help me. I want to get to know you better. Let's be friends. Let's be very close friends. Amen? Amen? If that was the first time for you, awesome. If you've never prayed a prayer like that or chose him before, come and see me later. I'd love to talk to you about it. So we have a choice. And after that choice, we, we have another choice to focus. What will we focus on? So if we've settled the if question, if then you've been raised with Christ, as it says in Colossians 3.1 from the Amplified, if then you've been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing in his resurrection from the dead, from this mutual place of choosing, him choosing us and us choosing him, Let's focus, or let's refocus, as the case may be. Amplified puts it this way. It says, you know, continuing on in, in verse uh, 1, it says, Aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So if we're going to aim at something, <laughs> you got to focus on it. Before you can shoot something, you have to aim at that thing you're going to shoot, right? You have to acquire the target before you can hit it. Colossians three one, for my estimation, is indicating that one of the benefits secured for us by Jesus' death and resurrection, this new life in Christ, is our ability to to refocus. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. We can refocus from our heart being set on earthly things to focusing on heavenly things. You guys track with me? Yes. That makes sense. The lost, those who are outside of a relationship with Christ. They're unable to refocus. They can only look at earthly things. And all too often, with those who who aren't lost, those who do know the Lord, it seems like they're unwilling to refocus. But as the objects of God's extravagant love, as the objects of his affection, we have the option to look up. To set our our focus or to refocus on heavenly things. The message takes those same two verses out of Colossians 3 and says it this way So, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. So, one of the benefits that we have <laughs> is that we can look up. We can change our focus. We can refocus. I remember my son was a teenager, taking him out to the basketball court. And, um, uh, and he kept missing <laughs> the basket. And we, we were having fun playing, but he just kept missing. And so I told him, I said, Tom, this is what I want you to do. I said, you see the whole backboard? I said, I don't want you to look at the backboard. I said, you see the rim? I said, I don't want you to look at the rim. I said, do you see that little part at the back of the rim where it's attached to the, to the backboard, that little bracket that attaches the two? He said, yeah. I said, I want you with a laser focus to look right at that spot. Now shoot the ball. And what happened? Swish, swish, swish. He was, the ball would go wherever he looked. Same thing we, we were playing football. Throwing, just throwing the ball back and forth in the backyard. Having a catch. He's throwing the ball. It's going over my head this way. i got to run after the ball. It's going over my head this way. i got to run after the ball. I said, wait a minute. I said, look at me. I said, when you throw the ball, I want you to look right at my heart. Don't even look at my head, my arms, my whole body. I said, look right here. Now throw the ball. What happened? He'd throw the ball. Right to me. Focus is significant. Focus is important. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. You know? We've all heard it, we've heard it said this way. What you focus on, <laughs> you make room for, right? What you fear, you empower. Your mind will follow your heart your mind will follow your heart. Your thoughts will follow your passions. Now look, you can discipline your mind for just so long, and you can have some success with disciplining your mind, but trust me, eventually your heart will win out. Has anybody in this room ever been on a diet? Right? You can discipline your mind for just so long, but at some point, that big Mac attacks are going to come, and the passion of your heart will outweigh the discipline of your mind. Does that mean we just give up? No. If we change our thinking, we will eventually influence our feelings. However, if we refocus our passions, our mind will rush in to support it. So focus. Fuel your passions, and your mind will change. It's the difference between soul and spirit. Now look, this is good or bad. You, know, you can fuel ungodly passions, and your mind will rush in to support it. There were 51,000 people out at Burning Man. You know, probably 50,000 of them were fueling bad passions the week that we were out there. But it's good news. Passion is the built in God given homing device to your destiny. What has God given you passion to do? Focus on that. And your mind will rush in to support it. And you'll do it with joy and with delight. So, this is my encouragement to you make Him your passion. Make relationship with him your focus. Refocus. Look up. If you own your heart, you'll focus on earthly things. If he owns your heart, you'll focus on heavenly things. At least most of the time. Okay, so... Change. We have choice. We have focus. Now, change. Moving from seeking and aiming to setting. The amplified in verse two says, "Set your mind and keep set your minds and keep them set on what is above, the higher things, not on the things that are the earth." Like I said, the King James version says, "Set your affections on the things above, and not on earthly things." That's a pretty fierce storm we had Thursday night, right? Lots of trees came down. We used to have storms um, uh, in Washington State where we lived, in the Tri-Cities. They would have these fierce wind storms. Like out of nowhere, the wind would just kick up. I remember one time walking out of Walmart, and I look out the doors, and there was such a dust storm, (laughs) I couldn't see the cars from the door. That's how fierce (laughs) the wind had kicked up. (laughs) Excuse me. And you can always tell the new tenants to town versus the old-timers. The new tenants would put a fence up around their property, and they would use wooden fence posts. The old-timers, they knew. If you were going to stand up against the wind out there, you had to set a metal post. Because I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen whole sections of fence with two fence, wooden fence posts snapped off you know, from 40-mile-an-hour winds that blew through and just you know ripped these fences right down. But the metal posts would stand. Right? They knew that they had to dig a hole, and they had to pour cement, and they had to set a metal pole so they could withstand the wind. Now, I looked up the word set in dictionary.com. You know, they have 100, 100 definitions for the word set in dictionary.com. I was pretty surprised by that. But I like number 29 the best. It said to put into a fixed, rigid, and settled state. When something is set, it's put into a fixed, a rigid, and settled. It reminded me of St. Paul's writing uh, in Colossians 3 here, setting your mind. But it also reminded me of what the, the writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 12, verse 2. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Pu- in Colossians 3, Paul's telling us to set our minds, to set our hearts. I think about that metal fence post. The writer of Hebrews is telling us to fix. I think the word set would fit there well, too. Fix our gaze, fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to set and keep set our minds and affections on what's above where Christ is seated and not on earthly things. And for all of us, that means some kind of change. John Paul Jackson calls this above-the-line thinking. Maybe some of you have heard him talk about it. But if you haven't, grab a crayon and draw a box on the white paper in front of you. Yeah, just draw a box. Draw a box about this big. Now, after you draw that box, cut it in half with a horizontal line. Put a line right through the middle of it. And then shade in the bottom half. The bottom shaded in darker area, that's earthly thinking. The lighter area of the second half on top, that's heavenly thinking. We want to employ (laughs) above-the-line thinking. Anybody here ever heard the phrase, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good? Yeah, that's crap. That is crap. <laughs> that's just crap. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. Unless you're heavenly minded, you are no earthly good. Right. Why do I say it's crap? Because Colossians 3.2 says it's crap. Right. It tells us to set our minds on things above. Lord. Fix our minds. Have it set in place. On things above. Unless we're heavenly minded, we are no earthly good. So we have a choice to make. Back in um, let's see, back in uh, two thousand and eight. I had an experience in the Spirit, part of those 40-day seasons that I've had with God, where he takes me places in the Spirit. And in this one experience, believe it or not, I'm walking with with the Lord as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's on my left-hand side. And he takes me to the Garden of Eden. And it's beautiful. It looked more like a jungle than a manicured garden. It didn't look like a botanical garden. It just looked like a jungle of incredible life. Beautiful day. And we're walking along, and I didn't realize where we were until we came to this clearing. It's a big, circular, open clearing. And I saw two trees. And I realized, that's when I realized, oh, my goodness. (laughs) He's he's taking me to the Garden of Eden. And there was this knowing that I'm looking at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And this is what got me. I couldn't tell the difference between two trees. I looked at those two trees, and I couldn't tell the difference. (laughs) And I don't know how this works. I mean, you would think that you have an experience like this, and you're there with God, and your heart would be completely pure. I'm not that kind of guy. And I'm thinking in my heart, hey, this isn't fair. I can't even tell the two trees apart. How can we be judged for picking one tree over the other? <laughs> and without a word, I look at I look at the Lord as the lion. He has these incredible crystal blue eyes. I mean, and in those eyes was amazing love. That's incredible love. And then he roared. And I think it was the fact that I seen his the love in his eyes before he roared that allowed me to survive the experience. Because when he roared, it was like a hurricane. It blew me up off the ground and blew me right through the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and about destroyed me. I landed on the other side like I had been completely disassembled. It was like going through a tree where its branches and limbs were swords and its leaves were razor blades. And it about disassembled me. I fell on the other side in a heap, like I was dead. And then he came by, and like a mother cleaning its cub, a mother lion cleaning its cub, he licked the side of my face. And it brought wholeness, it brought restoration. Then he picked me up by the scruff of my neck, like a lioness with its cub, and brought me over to the tree of life. And I realized, that di- that's when I began to realize the stark difference between these two trees. Even proximity to the tree of life had life on it. I could feel life radiating from it just as I got near to it. And he put me down on the ground. And he breathed into me. And then he took a piece of fruit from the tree of life and squeezed its fruit into my open mouth. And I could see again and I could stand again. And it, at that point, I could see that the tree of life was completely different. There, there were no sharp edges on it at all. Even the bark itself seemed like it was made of velvet. And I realized that <laughs> the trees were incredibly different. I just didn't know it. And it was extraordinarily humbling and led to a time of deep repentance. Oh God. <laughs> Help me see. Help me see more clearly. Help me see more accurately. And I realize that it's the choice between the soul and the spirit. That when I'm operating in the soul, I want to, I'm gonna feed from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, but when I'm when I'm walking in the spirit that's when I'll choose to feed from the tree of life. And I need to know that even after 30-odd years as a Christian and 25 years as a pastor, there are still times I can't tell the difference. But he teaches me. The soul versus spirit. It is our continual choice. And my encouragement to you is to choose life. (laughs) Like Moses says to the Israelites, I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. We have before us a continual choice, soul versus spirit. We can choose to feed from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or we can choose to feed from the tree of life. We can choose earthly thinking or heavenly thinking. We can choose below-the-line thinking or above-the-line thinking. We can choose our ways or His ways. We can choose to be inside the box or outside the box. We can choose to remember the form of things, or we can choose to forget the form of things. We can choose to fix our eyes on our circumstances, or we can choose to fix our eyes on Jesus. I exhort you. <laughs> I challenge you like I challenge myself. Set your heart and your mind on things above and not on earthly things. Life versus for me seems to be the continual journey of Tom Zawacki's life. His lessons in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways declares class the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Guys, listen to me. His ways are not our ways. Choose above-the-line thinking. Choose heavenly thinking. Choose his ways over your ways. How do we do that? How do we practically, effectively Consistently do that. Make friendship with God your ultimate objective. That's how you do it. That's the only way to do it. There's no amount of discipline that'll do it. I don't care how many times you set your clock to wake up at four thirty in the morning to pray and read three chapters of the Bible. That's not going to do it. It'll help for a little while. It's not without value but it's not going to get you all the way there. Friendship with God? That'll get you there. I'm happy to share with you some of the experiences I've had, but don't make spiritual experiences or visions your highest goal. Make friendship with God your ultimate objective. Make knowing him your ultimate objective. I've told you that one, part of my personal ethos is that I want to live a supernatural life in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not content to have an intellectual and academic faith only. You've heard me say that repeatedly. But to answer to that, I'm not content to have supernatural experiences only. I want to know God's Word. I want to have experiences in the Spirit for this reason. I want to be a friend of God. I want to know him. It's for the purpose of relationship with him. I don't want to have knowledge of the word so I can impress you with my knowledge of the word. I don't want to have spiritual experiences so I could wow you with, woo look what Tom had in the Tom had in the spirit. I want both of those things so that I can know him. Ephesians 1, 17. Paul prays that we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we would know the word, And that we'd have experiences in the spirit. Why? To know him better. To know God better. I want more than anything else. I don't want you to know me. I want you to know him. I have completely failed at my job. If somehow I get in the position where I'm between you and him. Jesus came to remove that way of operating spiritually that we would no longer need a high priest. He's the high priest. I want to be your friend, your brother, your encourager, your leader in the sense that I help point you toward him. I want you to live a life where your heart and your mind are set on things above and not on earthly things. And I know, I know that the only effective way to get from here to there is to become a friend of God is to have a relationship with him where you know him. And he knows you. Where it goes beyond the intellectual or the experiential, but there's a heart-to-heart connection where you're one with him. That's what Christianity is all about. That you would have relationship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's what the Incarnation was all about. That's what the Resurrection was all about. Access to knowing Him. Relationship with Him. And it's the only way to consistently think above the line. It's the only way to distinguish between the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Take it from someone who's confused it repeatedly in his life. The only way to know the difference between the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life is to have intimacy with God. The only way to know the difference is to cultivate relationship with Him, friendship with God. The only way to set your affections on things above is to set your affections on Him. That's the only way. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning in Jesus' name. And Lord, I confess way too many times I've eaten the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil when I thought I was eating fruit from the tree of life. Lord, I've shared fruit with churches when I thought it was fruit from the tree of life and it was just fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm sorry. Lord, help me. Help me to live by the Spirit and not by my soul. Lord, I want to be friends with you. I want to know you. I want to be best friends with you. I want to know your heart. I want to know your mind. I want to know your ways. and I want you to know mine. And I pray that for my friends, too. Lord, I pray that the, the, the fruit, the overwhelming abundance, of that friendship would be that we could be a people that set our minds and set our hearts on things above and not on earthly things. Do that with us, oh God. Do that with us. I pray for all of us, wherever we are right now. Father, there are some in this room, they already have a deep and intimate, abiding friendship with you. I pray that you take it to deeper places still. Lord, some of us, we feel like we're wandering around and we can't even find where you live. Jesus, you said that no one could come to you unless the Father drew them. Father, would you draw us closer and closer to Jesus? We just can't seem to do it on our own. Lord, I pray that you would stir up all the godly passion that's in this room. Stir up that passion. That passionate fire, that built-in homing device toward our destiny. <laughs> and those ungodly passions. Would you extinguish them? Would you graciously put those out? Help us, O oh God. Lord, well, I thank you that you got a plan and you got a purpose. You know who we are, you know where we are, you know that where we're going. I ask that you would lead us each step of the way. And that we would love one another in the process. I ask this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen? If anybody needs prayer this morning, come on down, I'd be happy to pray for you. Have a great day.